everybody. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope the content encourages you and helps you build your faith. Now enjoy the message. Psalm 1611. So good. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Good, right? So much better in context. Let me read you the context of this passage. We always say this around here. Everything is better in context. Scripture is made so much better in context. 1 Samuel 17. Now listen to me. If you will capture the context of this verse, this passage will come alive to you in a way you've never experienced before. In you, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David wrote Psalm 16, and here is the context in which he wrote it. If we start in 1 Samuel 17, back up. No, I can't back up. i got to stay on time. Uh, David had been anointed king, and then after he was anointed king, he went and he killed Goliath, right? Saul was the king. Saul screwed it up. God rejected Saul. David came along. Samuel anointed David king and said, this is the new king to replace Saul. Goliath rises up and he says, all the Israelites are pansies and I can kill any of them. David says, I'll put it to the test. David goes, you know, swings the sling, knocks and kills the giant. The giant falls and the men begin chanting, Saul has killed his thousands, David ten thousands. Saul gets jealous. He gets so jealous that he wants David dead. So we go to Psalm 19 or to 1 Samuel verse chapter 19. Saul tries to kill David. He throws a spear at him as he's playing the harp. David realizes this has gotten a little more volatile than what I expected. Jonathan, Saul's son, comes to David and says, "You better get out of town." My dad is going to kill you. So David takes off. He runs to the wilderness. 1 Samuel 21. David's running from Saul. He's living. He's hiding in the wilderness. 1 Samuel 23. 1 Samuel 24. Interesting story. So David is hiding in the wilderness. Catch this. He's anointed to be king, but he's kicked out of the palace. The man who's not the king anymore is the man who's viciously fighting for his place. So David is hiding in a cave, and as he's hiding in a cave, Saul comes into the cave to go to the bathroom. So he's got this massive army. He's following. He wants David dead. He's using the restroom. David reaches around, cuts off the end of his robe. Saul goes out. David comes out, and he says, Saul, King Saul, why are you hunting me like a dog to kill me? I've got no agenda against you. Here is a piece of your robe. Saul says, man, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Saul goes back to the kingship. David continues to hide in the wilderness. So we continue on a little more. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 26, Saul gets jealous again. He goes back out again to find David. He wants to kill David, and he's, he's camping out in a valley with his army. David sees Saul and all of the army that's trying to kill him camping in the valley. Follow me on this context. And he says, you know what? 
I'm going to go down there and I'm going to show him. I don't have an agenda here. He sneaks down into Saul's tent while Saul is sleeping. And it says, 1 Samuel 26, verse 12. So David took the spear and the jug of water that were near Saul's head. Then he and Abishai got away without anyone seeing them or even waking up because the Lord had put Saul's men into a deep sleep. David goes up to the top of a mountain. He screams out, hey, army down there, all of you guys that want to kill me, send Saul out. He says, Saul, here's your spear. Here's your water jug. Why are you trying to kill me? Saul says again, I'm wrong. I'm sorry, my son David. I'm so sorry that I'm trying to kill you. And then it says that Saul went back to his palace And David remained in the wilderness. Now catch this. 1 Samuel 27, verse 1. It says, But David kept thinking to himself, Someday Saul is going to get me. Fool me once, that's on you. Fool me twice, that's on me. Fool me a third time, you kill me. He said, the best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. Then Saul will stop hunting me in Israelite territory, and I will finally be safe. You have a man whose life has been pursued for months now. The king is trying to kill him. He's got this massive army. He's got horses. He's got all of these warriors that are hunting down David. David's hiding in the wilderness. He's hiding in caves. He's sneaking into camps and he's taking stuff out of the tent and he's pleading for his own life. He's trying to prove to Saul, I'm not trying to kill you yet over and over. He's got no food. He's got no water. His men are starving. His men are hungry. He feels directionless. He doesn't know why this is happening. He doesn't understand the, the, the prosperity of the wicked versus the lowliness of the righteous. As he writes in the Psalms, he's not understanding why this is happening. I wonder if you can connect with David today. Going through something, you've been honoring the Lord, you have no agenda, you have no idea why it's happening, but it just feels like Everywhere you turn, there is resistance, there is tension, there is pressure, and you can't escape it. You were anointed king, but you're not allowed in the palace. You've got the promise, but your life doesn't look like it right now. You're saying, I know God called me to do this. Why is it so hard? Personally, I can connect with this. Lord, you called us to be, you called us to do this ministry. It has been the hardest five months of ministry I've ever walked through in 13 years of ministry. It has just been a grind. It's been hard. I know the promises. I know what they say. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Then why are Mondays so difficult? Why has it been so? Can you connect with this right now? So David is feeling like it's been a challenge. It's been difficult. It's been hard. I don't know what's next and I don't know what's happening. He grabs a pen and he writes Psalm 16 and he says, Lord, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, Our pleasures forevermore. You see the context. 
He's a man who doesn't know what the path is. He has no idea where to go. The, the, the king's trying to kill him, yet he says, you make known to me the path of life. Everything that he's ever desired has been stripped away from him, yet he says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. There is no joy hiding in the wilderness trying to keep myself from getting killed, but in your in your presence, there is fullness of joy. He says, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There may not be pleasure right now in what I'm going through and how I'm living, but in your, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You catch the context. My, I had a friend uh, whose uncle, you want tips on how to be a great uncle? Do this. He told me a story. He said his uncle had, uh, had, when he started driving, he, he, we could drive at 16 when I was growing up. And so at 16, he got keys to a car. And when he got the keys to the car, his uncle said, I want you to drive by my office. So he drives by his uncle's office and he said he walked in there and his uncle handed him an envelope. And inside the envelope was a crisp $100 bill. And his uncle said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that envelope. I want you to put it in your glove box. And now that you're driving, if you ever run into an emergency, if you ever get in a position where you're just stuck, I want you to use that $100 bill to get yourself out of it. And if you have to use it, I'll replace it again. That's a cool uncle thing to do, right? He said, now listen, if you're buying Taco Bell with it, it don't count. But if, you, if you're in a bind and you need it, use it, and I'll replace it. Well, it was a snow day. We were driving down Lackman Road in two deep ditches on each side. And I remember we hit some ice, slid off the road, and we had no, we, we were just stuck. The car was stuck. We didn't know what to do. So we were just kind of waiting. This big diesel truck was driving by, and my buddy flagged him down. And he said, hey, will you pull us out of the ditch? And the guy was like, nah, guys, I got, I got stuff going on. My friend said, well, would you do it for a hundred? dollar bill. The guy was like, yeah, sure, no problem. He gets out, he gets the chains, and he pulls us out. And, and my friend was telling me, having that assurance of that $100 bill in the glove box gave me confidence when I was stuck. The, you have to understand something. Psalm 16 is David's emergency stash. It is sitting in his glove box, and he's saying, when everything else is falling apart when I have no idea what to do and I have no idea what to go. I know you make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is something we hold on to. This is something we plant in our spirit and we don't let go of. I've got 15 minutes. Let's roll through all three parts. It's called the tricolon. It's just, you know the points already. It's the path of life, the fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. Here we go. Psalm 1611. He says, you make known to me the path of life. Important to understand. The path of life is not what he's going through, but who he's following. The path of life is not what he's doing, but who he's following. He alludes to it in Psalm 16, 7 through 8. He says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. I love this part. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with, with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. He's saying, even at night, what he is saying is, when I can't see where to go, I still know the path of life. When I can't see what the future has for me, when I can't see how I'm going to get out of this, when I don't know what to do, I still know who to follow. 
When I don't know what to do and I don't have the answers, I still know where the path of life comes from. And he says, even if it's dark, even at night, my heart instructs me. I've got a friend who was preaching at a youth camp. And uh, it, was a, it was a huge youth camp. It was in this, this giant stadium. And the stage was six feet off the ground. I don't know what this is. probably like five, five. Maybe I bet it's five. But it was six feet, six foot stage, massive stage, huge crowd. Never been in the venue before. And so he, he had 60 seconds from the close of worship to the start of his message to get on stage. So worship shut down. He comes rolling out and he's headed up. And he said about that time they killed the lights on him. And when they killed the lights. He said, I just kept walking and he literally walked off the front of the stage and he tried to catch himself. When he did, he broke his collarbone. So, he, and Mind you, there's a thousand teenagers in the room waiting to hear his message, right? So there's this video playing. He goes nosedive off the stage, lands, breaks his collarbone. He tries to get back. He preached the whole sermon like this. He's like wheezing with air. He's like, man, it hurt so bad. And he said, I went back there and I said, How, why would you kill the lights on me? Can't see where you're going when it's dark unless you're not living by what you see. Because we live by what? Things unseen. What's the definition of faith? It's the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things unseen. We're not living by what we see. David is saying, even though I see nothing but chaos, even though I see nothing but armies that want me dead, I am living by the path of life that is in my spirit. I'm living by the path of life that the Lord has for me. I'm living by the way God is guiding me. Number two, Psalm 1611, he says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. Which would mean, if I don't have joy, something is stealing God's presence from me. Because in God's presence is the fullness of joy. It is the overflowing of joy. The Hebrew root of the word he is using is busting at the seams. It is overflowing with joy. So he says, in your presence is the overflow of joy. The fullness beyond measure of joy. Jesus said in John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Colossians 2, 9-10, he says, For he is the complete fullness of deity living in human form. And our completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God as Christ's fullness overflows within us. He is saying, in the presence of the Lord is fullness of joy. If David found his joy in his situation, he would be miserable. Where he was sitting in the position that he was in when he wrote this. If his joy was in his circumstances, he would have been miserable. But the fullness of joy was found in God's presence. I don't know about you. I'll I'll do a poll really quick. Anybody in here, a carb family? Come on, carb families, carb. You know, carbohydrate, the the God-given food. Anybody? Come on. A, A couple of you? What are we, a keto church? Like... Where, where is we got we got a double hand in the back finally some carbitarians in here right are you here I love carbohydrates I don't know why. it's just the way the Lord made but you know what I actually think God loves carbohydrates as well I really do yes right what did he feed the people in the wilderness with 
bread. He gave him carbs. What does he call himself? I am the carb of life. I'm the bread of life. What do we, when, when Jesus represented his own body at the Last Supper, what did he break? Come on! Don't get me going on Bible jokes. I got a ton of them. All the keto people are leaving the church in masses right now. Like, I'm out of here. How dare he speak of the forbidden macro, right? Because Jesus did, Karen. That's why. We celebrate carbs around here. We're a carb church. <laughs> Don't email me. I'm just messing around here. But I, I mean, in all honesty, our family, we love carbohydrates. And uh, we buy those biscuits. I was going to bring some, but I forgot them. You know, you know the biscuits in the can? The Grand's biscuits, the butter flaky biscuits. They're like 17 layers. I don't know how they do it, but once you bake them, you just peel it back, butter, eat, peel it back, butter, eat. They're just, they're incredible, right? And the fight in our family is who gets to pop the can. That's like the ultimate debate. Canaan's like, I want to pop it. And everyone's wanting to, you know, you start to unwrap the thing and then you, you wait and all of a sudden you get to that point where you pop, you know, and all, all the biscuits come oozing out of it. You get what I'm about to do, right? I'm about to compare the joy of the Lord overflowing in you to a busted can of biscuits. Right? <laughs> but I mean, get the visual in your mind. The, it pops and everything flows. There's so much in it that it's exploding out of it. That is what David is saying. In the presence of God, there is so much joy in my spirit. There's so much hope in my spirit that it is literally oozing out of me. It is busting out of my soul. Doesn't matter my situation. When I'm in His presence, I'm filled with the fullness of joy. Doesn't matter what I'm going through. When I'm in His presence, I can have joy and joy abundantly. Look at that. Last point, and I still got six minutes. Might as well take our time now. Psalm 1611. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand. Do you realize that at a king's right hand is the place of honor? At a king's right hand is a place of dignity. At a king's right hand is a place of respect. It was considered a huge ordeal to be invited to sit at the right hand of a king. If you were an honored guest at dinner and you were brought in and the king was the last to be seated and the king chose to be seated next to you and you were at his right, that was an incredibly noble thing. You know what I love about Psalm 16? Go back and read the whole psalm today. It's a total of 11 verses. It'll take you two minutes. David starts Psalm 16 as a refugee, and he finishes at the right hand of God. He starts running for his life as a refugee, and he finishes at the place of honor, at the place of dignity, at the place of protection, at the place of safety, listen, Psalm 16:1, he says, Keep me safe, O God, for I have come to you for refuge. I am a refugee looking for safety. Keep me safe. And then he finishes the psalm at your right hand. I've gone from refugee, I've gone for running for my life, I've gone for fighting for my own life to the place of highest honor. 
to the place of the most grace, to the place of the most love, the most favor, the most respect. Acts 2, 32-33. I want you to catch this because Christ takes us to the right hand of the Father. Acts 2, 32-33. says, God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are all witnesses of this. Now, he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father has promised. He gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. That's us. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us. Us. What did we talk about two weeks ago? The Holy Spirit is a deposit of heaven in your spirit. You are walking with the connection to the right hand of the Father in your spirit. He said the Spirit has been poured out on us. Jesus is at the right hand and the Spirit connects you to Jesus and the Father. It's, it's the, the Trinity. It is the connection of the Trinity. He says in Romans 8, 33-34, Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own. Who makes accusation against you? Who accuses you of anything? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Verse 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At your right hand I find protection. At your right hand I find hope. At your right hand I find honor. David had continually been dishonored. He had continually been humiliated. He had continually been rejected and he was living trying to save his own life and yet he is saying I'm at the place of honor when I'm with the Lord. I'm at the place of power when I'm with the Lord. You know, a, a year ago, actually long, more than a year ago, I can't believe how fast it has gone, we hosted an event called Day with Dads at a, at a prison. And um, man, by the way, I think about those, those men who have been locked up for so long, no connection with family. We need to pray uh, for our brothers in prison because that is, that is just difficult. I have read some letters that have been sent to me of just haven't seen my family, haven't seen my kids, can't have visitors. It is just unreal, and, and I have a tremendous compassion for them. Most, for those of you who don't know, my dad was uh, behind bars over half my adult life. I, I know uh, what that is like, that separation, that distance, and that longing. So we hosted last year an event called Day with Dads, where we brought the children of offenders into the prison, and they got to spend an entire day with their kids. It was just one, you talk about rip your heart out your chest, right? This is some of the only time these men get to spend time with their children. So we're in there, we're hosting it, and one of the guys, he walked up to me, and he said, how y'all doing? And I said, man, we're, we're good. And he said, are you, guys, are, are you nervous? I said, no. And he said, well, he said, are some of your volunteers nervous? I said, well, yeah. And he said, okay. He said, first time in here? Yeah. He said, I mean, it is a prison, right? It's a little, it's, this dude's got tats all over his face. Just, I mean, he's like, you know, I was like, brother, you look the part. You know, like, he was just joking back and forth. And he said, no, I get it. I get that you're nervous. He said, let me tell you, you're in the safest place you could possibly be right now. I said, really? How, how so? 
And he said, I want to tell you something. He said, look out and tell me what you see. I said, I see a bunch of men with their kids. He said, you need to understand something. If something happens to you, this event gets canceled. If this event gets canceled, these men no longer see their kids. And he said, I promise you that's not going to happen. I promise you they're not separating these men from their kids. You're safe. Well, I started walking around that place like this. I was like, all right. I got protection around me, right? I'm safe. I could have been in a place that felt a little nervous. I could have been in a place that felt a little intimidating. But when he and I had that conversation, there was just a safety that rose up in me that, you know what? We're protected here. We're taking care of it. Nothing's going to happen. It doesn't matter what it feels like. It doesn't matter what it looks like. We're in a place of protection. We're in a place of safety. That is what David is declaring over his life right now. He's saying, but at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In other words, he's saying no matter what is going on to me, I know I'm at a place of protection. I know I'm under the hand of safety. I'm under the hand of protection. I'm under the hand of grace. When you are at the right hand of the Father, you are at the place of protection. Everybody, thanks again for joining us. We believe God has something great for your life, and we hope this message encourages you to take the next step in your faith. Have a great week.